Hey guys, how you doing out there? Uh, it's a little unusual for me to do anything on a Monday. Well, usually I've got the brew pill out Monday afternoons because I take Sundays to edit the video and do all the fancy stuff that we do. That's sarcasm because there's nothing really fancy about what I do. Um, but today, something a little different, doing the podcast as I'm driving to work. Um, happy Martin Luther King birthday to people out there. Um, unfortunately, I have to work. My other half gets the day off, and so does my son, so they get to enjoy a nice day, day together. Um, but I was really hoping to do a movie review with my wife, but she doesn't like to get on here and talk like my son does. So, anyway, Saturday night, uh... We had a little date night because uh, every year where she where she works has an awards banquet. It used to be at Christmas time, and then they didn't like the name of Christmas, so they it's an it's an award banquet. We were supposed to go. All of our coworkers that we were supposed to sit at the same table, they one by one decided they weren't going to go. So we changed our plans as we already had a babysitter. And we were going to go see Knives Out. And I was really looking forward to that. But the theater that we were going to go see, it only has one showing per day. And within 20 minutes of seating for that, when we got there, it was packed to capacity and there was no place for us to sit. So we quickly decided to go to a different movie, and that we went to see 1917. That was that was fine, because that was a movie that I've been wanting to see. A lot of my friends have got to see it, and yeah, there's my warning light. <clears throat> Don't, uh, there are spoilers ahead. Um, 1917, directed by Sam Mendes. I think the first movie that I remember Sam directing was American Beauty, if I'm right. I I don't really have notes in front of me. I'm kind of doing this, winging this as I drive. Sam did a couple of James Bond movies. He's a fantastic British director. I didn't even know it was British until I saw a little behind the scenes where they were explaining this story was based on stories that his grandfather, I think, had told him and the family... Um, having went to World War One, I, I always want, you know nowadays there's a lot of World War Two movies and they're great with the technology they have. They can do you know war movies a lot better, a lot more realistic, a lot more disturbing. That I've always wanted to see more takes on World War One or other things because I think. As, as disturbing as they can be, they can teach us a lesson, like, in hidden subtext about how brutal these things are and how we really don't need to let the world get to that kind of place again. I think there's a purpose for war movies like that to teach us myself. That's my opinion. I don't believe in war or a lot of things that <clears throat> a lot of my comrades... You know, you got to defend yourself. You got to do this. You got to do that. Thank you for tuning in to the 242nd. My name is Simon, if I haven't introduced myself. 
and this is a movie review movie review about 1917 um anyways I had seen all you know it's behind the scenes footage when they were showing this is this they were trying to do it as a one shot you know from one perspective and I thought that was an awesome idea because I've seen a couple of other movies like there um I think Dave Batista had done one in New York, and to me, it's a joy. As in, you're trying to find the hidden little spots where they do the splice, because you know there's no way possible to do one continuous shot in a movie because of the length of time. But to me, it shows the skills of a director because they have to be very inventive. And I, this movie did not let me down in that aspect. Um, there's very, I mean, there's one obvious spot, like I said, spoilers ahead, where the main character gets knocked out, obvious spot, and then comes two hours later, but there's other, other spots that aren't quite so obvious, and the, the behind the seats featurette was pretty awesome if you, if you have a chance, go on YouTube and look for the behind the scenes, because some seem scenes are so long it was very ingenious how they had to walk off because they had the, the, the sets and they had to walk it off in time how how long you had to get from point A to point B and where all the spots of the camera are going to go because the camera doesn't follow just like ahead of them the, fa- the, the camera goes behind and if you don't know what 1917 is about it's a story about uh this one Lance Corporal is given a mission to get across no man's land and go to a town in France, you know, during World War One, which is previously the day before had been occupied by the Germans or the Bosch, because the Germans weren't the same World War Two Germans that everyone knows and does not like. Um, the Bosch. I couldn't really explain all the history behind it, but it's something interesting to look up. Um, there wasn't the swastikas or anything from World War II because the, the Chancellor of Germany in World War One was totally different. Everything was different, but it was this, the same brutality of taking over different countries and poor France being the neighbor was brutalized. Um, but anyway... This Lance Corporal had been given a mission to pick somebody, and they had to deliver a message. It'd be nice to look at a map and see exactly how far they had to walk, because they had 24 hours or so. You're assuming it's around 24 hours, because you don't know what time they're woken up at the beginning of the movie. They're, like, taking a nap. And, and that's what they did back then, is they would take naps wherever they could, just like any type of battle. You, you, you rest when you can. And that there, there's three big name stars in the movie. Um, like I said, spoilers ahead: Colin Firth, um, Tom Strong, and Benedict Cumberpatch. And but they were given this mission by a, a general, I believe, to go across no man's land and go to this village or north of this village, west of this village. I wasn't really sure. They were given directions. I'm lucky that uh, it wasn't me because I don't know if I would have been able to find it or 
go through everything that they did. But the way the sets were set up so incredible, you get to see the <coughs> the tunnels. I don't know if you call them tunnels, but the trenches, sorry. Because it was trench warfare. The, uh, and it's always amazed me when you see pictures of World War One is people had to sit there and do this. They had to go ahead of the soldiers and dig trenches while being fired at because they had to have places to set up these battles, these excursions. And, you know, the Germans had already been set in, so you you start off in the the British, the ally, because it's told from the, the, the side of the British, the UK soldiers. And it makes sense because, you know, this was a Sam Mendez, it was a story from, you know, from his grandfather, and he was passing this as on, so he took it from his perspective of how he grew up. And so they, you, you see it go through, you know, no man's land into, they, they, have, they have to cross through the trenches, cross no man's land, which was brutal because there was barbed wire and you see the brutality. You can't imagine until they walk upon it, you know, the different things they walk through, you know, and they have to look for spots to get through because they, they have a time limit, you know. You're always, you're constantly seeing, um, you're constantly seeing them check their, their, their time, their watches, asking when they run into other people. Because I didn't know how it was going to go if they were going to run into other people because you don't know the occupation set, set uh, how it's set up. But they go from the, the trenches across one set, 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 section of no man's land to the German the former German trenches because, you know, they were told by... Back then they had the biplanes. And they did have aerial photography. And so... They had people scouting ahead, trying to find out where, where the Germans, the Bosch, were set up, their encampments. And they had to relay orders because they couldn't do it the old-fashioned way. So, you know, and when the Bosch... Just like World War II, if you lose an area, you can, you have to... You can't just leave. Leave things that can be used against you. So you set up traps. You destroy anything that you leave behind. You know, um... My in-laws... I've always wondered because sometimes they would... They, they do antiques. And... I've seen what's called trench art. Where they've taken the shells from like World War One or World War Two, and they uh, and soldiers while waiting have like carved or hammered or whatever out of all these big shells that were used on the battlefield and they made trench art and there's a scene where they're walking through this like valley where these giant casings are all left behind from the, the, the German cannons that were firing just the day before and you, you think about how how that had to be, you know. You had these different lines, these different waves of people who had to wait to be told to jump out of a trench. And I couldn't imagine that. Um, I don't think anybody alive could imagine how brutal that would be, how nerve-wracking. You're waiting for a whistle to go off 
so you can just jump up and run with your weapon out at people and you don't know if there's going to be people you know trap set you don't know what you know because they have different times they're going to try this they could try this at nighttime when it's dark to take the advantage but then you can't see because they didn't have the technology of world war at world war one there was no night vision you know they had flares which lit up everything and then it's a disadvantage because they could see you so you have these incredible sets you know the trench sets no man's land sets um german trench sets um the the valley of the guns you know you have the other village that they walk into the, you know where not only did the the germans would kill the cows as they would you know if there was a village so there wouldn't be any food for these, the soldiers you know they burn the houses down because that's the brutal part of combat. Not only did the they try, you know, they kill any locals that could help or survive, they would destroy everything so they couldn't be used. And I don't know if people think about that. I mean, these are people who haven't done anything, and, and it's just the brutal way that war affects everyone. But you know, so they cut down the cherry trees in this one thing, and one of the lead characters, because these are two. I, I don't know who the actors were. They were, they were brilliant. And they're having these conversations about the cherry trees. and Because, as, as you know, in war you have the people you meet. But they're people you meet. They're not people you grew up with. They're people on the battlefield that you become emboldened with each other as, as friends through this brutality. And the music, the soundtrack of this movie is has the perfect you have you just have to watch it because it's non-stop it literally is non-stop the way Sam directed this you don't get much of a break you get little light spots where you can tell by the music something isn't going to happen or you think it's not that's not a precursor to what happens but you know you also have you know you don't have the technology that you have the biplanes flying and if you've ever seen the dog fights, biplanes don't fly like like planes nowadays. They have a lot slower speed and they have machine guns and they can swoop around each other. And, you know, the whole thing about flying back in World War I, you know, 1917, you, you've got to think about um, the Wright brothers and everyone. It was just 1901, I think. So flying hasn't been around that long. They haven't mastered all these things. The the weapons they have now, the rifles aren't going to sit there. They're not automatic rifles. You know, you had your bayonets. Even in World War II, you still had your bayonets. You could strap on the end of your weapon in case in case of battle. You could be right there as your backup knife. You know, and. The brutality of these bombs. Well, not, yeah, I guess they're bombs. But you have your shellings as you're trying to go through these things. And you can have shells going off any minute. And you see that, you know, towards the other end of it. You know, they go through the, the town they're supposed to find, which has been decimated. And you can't 
you know, you can't get in there because the bridge has been destroyed, so you have to find another way to get in. And then you have the up-close personal battles with the Bosch, the Germans, and... You know, in some movies you think you can sit there and talk logically to people, but, you know, in times of war, there's not a lot of logical talking. It's not done logically. People think they're on the side of right when, you know, and on either side, when, you know, the brutality of killing each other isn't the side of right, in my eyes. But this movie is so fantastic. And the storytelling... I mean, there's a big surprise. I don't know if it's halfway through or not. The story of these two guys. There's a big, huge surprise. And I don't want to spoil that because you have to see it. It wasn't what I expected when it happened. It, it, it shocked me. And I, and I sat there and wondered because I thought the story was going to go one direction. You know? And I'm not going to say have a happy ending. But I just didn't expect it when it happened. <coughs> But, you know, the reason they're sending the one main character is because he has a brother who is in the other division, you know, these miles away, and they need to stop it before, you know, this, this other company is supposed to do an invasion in the morning. And they, they have so many hours to do this. They have to walk across these places, and it's basically almost like a suicide mission. You know, you have you have so much percentage of you're not even going to get there, and if you get there, what's you know, are you going to get there in time? I mean, it's a beautifully set up piece where you know how much it means. I mean, this is you know, you learn the story about how these brothers are connected, and you know, you see you've seen movies like um, Saving Private Ryan. You know, a similar kind of, you, you've got to get to your brother, or, or your brothers have been killed. You know, there's a reason that I think that they stopped sending so many siblings into battle, because these things can kill whole bloodlines and families. But you're, you're following this as it goes, and the cinematography is so perfect. When they're going through this... I'm sorry if I'm butchering this French city's name. And, but it's in semi-darkness and at a certain point flares start going up and you're seeing shadows as it lights up part of the city and you're, and you're wondering what you're going to see as things are being lit up. And you're getting this really intense moment you know, because he knows what time it is and he knows how many hours to get across the city. And you just, it's intense. Um, the last war movie I saw was Dunkirk, and this right there with Dunkirk, if not above Dunkirk, like I said, because it's, there's a lot of World War II, this is a World War One. The last time I saw a World War One movie, I think it was Flyboys with, I don't know if that was Andrew Garfield or not, I'm trying to remember the actor, but this, this is the intensity, the storytelling, the, the little bits of dialogue that mean a lot, the acting performances, the personal level and love that's put into this to tell the story this way, 
and I can tell this is probably the way that when when Sam Mendez heard the story passed from his grandfather, this has to be as close as he could have imagined it could be. I'm sure he went to this level of love to tell the story the way he's pictured it in his mind his whole life. And it's just, I mean, from beginning to end, if you don't know what you're going to expect, just go in there open and let it follow. And it's going to, you're not going to be able to go to the bathroom before because you're not going to want to stop because you're going to miss the level of details of things that you can see. Um, I don't want to truly spoil a lot because I want you to go see it. 1917 is in theaters. Um, I think it's up for an Oscar. It'd be a beautiful thing to win just because it's an amazing story. Uh, pay attention to everything around because you, you, there's the brutality and this is why we don't need a world war. This is why we don't need wars. I mean, you don't need your straight on stuff that happens in your face if you pay attention to things that are off to the corner and and you pay attention to the t- total brutality of war. But see this movie let it hit you where it hits you because it's going to. Just, I mean, I'll, I want to say so much, but I don't want to, I want you to see it. Um, everyone in my timeline on Twitter who's seen it totally loves it. I get it. I had to see it, you know, wish I would have seen Knives Out. I would have loved seeing both movies in one weekend, but not disappointed. 1917. Um, wish I could tell you the, the two main actors' names. I really do because they were incredible. Uh, but I thank you for listening. If you've listened this far, hit me up um, on Twitter. Um, I have a Facebook page, The 242nd. My name is Simon. If you don't know it already, you should if you're listening. But uh, you can always send me an email at 242nd at outlook.com or leave me a DM on Twitter um, on Instagram but I thank you for your ears